Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Thanks for checking out this feed of my favorite interviews and best guests over the last seven years. Whether it's your first time or you're already in a deep dive, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Again, that is BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Camille Nanjani's here. I said that right, right? Yeah, perfectly. Because you had the whole thing when the, when you first became famous and you were saying, like, my name is pronounced exactly how it looks like it should be pronounced. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's so from, yeah. I sat behind you at WrestleMania, but you sat next to my son. I did. You were, you were fanboying out big time for Batista. Yes. But you had this beard, and I just didn't – I was like, that guy looks like Camille. And – but I know it's not because he's just going crazy for Batista. Well, and, and then, then he's leaving, and it was like, boy, that Camille was Camille was really out of control. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that was him. <laughs> and my son hung out with you for he I was, don't know 45 minutes. Yeah, I talked to your son a bunch. He's very smart with wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but he really, because I am not. I'm just friends with Batista. I am yeah. not a wrestling fan. Yeah. You know, I was like back when it was Hitman Heart and all that stuff yeah, in the yeah. 90s. But I haven't like kept up. So your son was sort of catching me up and telling me about some of the storylines and all that stuff. Yeah, he's like the Stephen A. Smith of the WWE for 11-year-olds. Is he really? You know, he just, he knows everything. Yeah. He was in our, because WrestleMania went forever. You you were able to come in and out. It was I, like five hours and I, he was just talking to everybody. It was more than five or hours. Five and a half? It, it, was, it was like, well, with the pre-thing, it was over seven hours. Yeah. And, True. Uh, you didn't. We weren't there for that, though, were you? I was up in the box. Oh. So Batista had like a box. So we were like hanging out in there. And then I went down for the fight, the match. They're very match, specific. Yeah. Can't say fight. I did an interview afterwards with WWE, and they would be like, "Hey, could you do that again?" But instead of fight, say match, and instead of wrestler, say superstar. Seriously? WWE superstars. That's what they're called. Well, the funny thing is Batista got the shit kicked out of him in that match. So that was a really violent match, and we were right there, I was, and they were just beating the shit out of each other. I was really scared for him because he's 50 years old. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, he's, he's got, his movie career is doing great. He's, he's lined up like the next four movies, and they're all huge. And I was just like, why would you put yourself in this situation where you could like ruin this thing that you've worked so hard on? But it was really important to Dave that he end his career right. So when we were doing our movie last summer, he was like, you know, I really it's really heartbreaking that my career didn't go the way I wanted it to. I want to go back and end it. How his I wrestling career? Yeah. What didn't go right about it? He was from a massive I, star. From what I understand, yes. But apparently. I don't want to speak out of turn, but apparently he was a bad guy. Right. Heel, right? Heel. And he was very popular. And then he was so popular that they made him a good guy. And then he wasn't popular anymore. Yeah, that ruined it. It's, so always, it's always better just be the heel yes. that the people like anyway. So I believe then, again, not a wrestling fan. This is what I think he told me. He left. And then when he came back for his comeback, he came back again as a good guy. And again, it didn't quite work. So yeah. he was like, I want to go back and end my career as a bad guy because that's what people really want and that's what he wants 
I think it's funny that you've been in my life for a decade and you grew this thick beard and I didn't know it was you for, I <laughs> what like, do you mean I've and been I run your... a sports and pop culture website, <laughs> but you, some people grow a beard and they just like transform into different people. I grew a beard for this movie and I just didn't get rid of it, but I'm going to get rid of it it's, soon. It definitely gives you like a little edge. Yeah. I mean, you know, a part of me was, I'll, okay, so I'm 41 now. Yeah. And I was always afraid of being old. Yeah. You know, I was scared of when I hit 30, I was devastated, devastated about my age through all all my 30s. And then when I hit 40, I kind of like suddenly actually felt better. I felt like uh, like this pressure was off or something. And so then I'd always I mean, you look like the Dos Equis guy now. Thank you so much. You should, you should be flying around. <laughs> is that the guy whose identity they had? Like the actor? We don't know who he is. Yeah, wife he's is made a mystery. So now I grow a beard being like, you know what? I'm 41 and it's fine if I look like a grown man. So why were you when, cause I felt the same way when, I, when 30 was coming, I was freaking out. Cause I felt like I had had all these plans when I left college and I'm like, I'm going to be 30. I haven't done anything yet. I feel like the biggest fucking loser on the planet. That's exactly like, is that how you felt. That is exactly what it was. Yeah. I sort of, I not a late start. I wasn't like Rodney Dangerfield or anything, but right after college, I went to Chicago and the plan was I'm going to do stand up in Chicago for two years, move to New York, sort of got stuck in Chicago for six years. Yeah. So I always felt like I kind of wasted my the mo most of my 20s doing these shows in Chicago that ultimately I turned out were very beneficial. But at the right. time, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels. And so you're like, that, sh that was five years and it should have just been 18 months. Yeah, yeah. Because I had a Time goes by, though, in your 20s. You look up. Watch out, Kyle. Kyle's only 25. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, gonna... all of a sudden you look up and 30s not that far away. And you do have this crisis of... Wait a second. Well, I, haven't, and, I haven't done anything. And then what happened was when I moved to New York, I started doing open mics because you have to start over. Yeah. So I was doing, oh, I was about, you know, I was like 27 and everyone else was 22. So I just kind of felt like everybody was like a little bit further ahead of me. And I felt like at my age, I should have accomplished more than I had. Plus, as a minority comedian, you have your own kind of baggage that comes with that where you're being measured... I don't know. The scale just seemed a little different. Yes. Although when I got to New York, that pressure went away. Really? Uh, How come? I think, you know, I when, right before I moved to New York, I think Aziz was like the biggest thing in New York. And he really sort of defined himself by not doing that sort of hack ethnic material. Yeah. So when I got there, I wasn't like the first brown guy who wanted to just do stand up and not really talk about, you know, stuff that could be cliched or whatever. So I think that's what I meant me. by the baggage by it, because this was the decade where that flipped. And I, and I think the same thing with female comedians, I think in the eighties, when I was growing up the eighties, nineties, if you saw somebody who wasn't a white dude doing stand up, you were just kind of like, okay, let's, let's hear it. You're a female. You're right. dude, talk about all your stuff. And that's right. It just was what people expected. And when people tried to veer away from that, it was almost like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think most of 2000s was like that, too. I like agree. When I was doing, when I was, was first started doing stand-up, that's what people expected me to do. And right after 9-11, there were actually a lot of, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a huge burst of, well, that's not a good term to use. <laughs> but uh, there was an explosion of brown comedians. <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, but there really was. There were a yeah. bunch of like brown dudes from Middle East, Pakistan, places like that who who sort of came up and were, were doing stand-up and talking about that stuff. And I was doing stand-up then and I was like, well, I don't want to, I didn't want to talk about that stuff, so I didn't. Um, well, now you have the last couple years here and immigration and all that stuff. Like how... Are you still doing stand-up? Like, how much do you do? I haven't been able to do stand-up. Because you're doing acting, like, full-time, basically. Pretty much full-time acting and writing. And part of the problem with me with stand-up was, and I'm trying to figure this out myself, is my stand-up style changed. And then I was very happy with where it was. And I feel like in the last couple of years, I can't quite figure out what the next thing would be. Like, you know, I sort of went from doing one-liners and bits to doing stories. And then now I feel like with the stories, it feels a little unsatisfying. And I want to try and see what the next thing would be. But honestly, that's probably just a cop out. I'm probably just. Well, you, but you have to go out and you have to do six months and 
Yeah. It's hone your lot. material and hone different pieces, all that stuff. It's, it's, and it's hard. Like, for it's a haul. It is. Like, right now, you know, <clears throat> acting, promoting this stuff, um, writing. At night, I don't want to go do stand-up. I'm, I'm creatively satisfied and I'm really tired. You have a great beard. I've got this great beard. Like, I want to stay in and stroke in the mirror, it. Like, <laughs> brushing it. Have you had a beard ever? Uh, I did. I just shaved it. I bet you'd have a great it's, beard. It's, it's just laziness. Mine's gets too white now. It actually make, weirdly makes me look older. No, but your, I was going to say your hair, your gray hair looks great. Thank you. Silver it's, fox. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, total silver fox. No, I, I, I like having the beard. I need like 20% more hair. Like yours is nice, nice and full. Oh, yours mine is, is Mine is a little more, you Patchy. know. Yeah, you can kind of see each individual hair if you look <laughs> closely. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't want any of them to stand out. You want yeah. them all to hang out together. Do you think, would you be messing around with stand-up if we didn't live in a world where people are just sneaking iPhone videos of people trying out stand-up material? Because I, I would be really intimidated by that. I mean, I remember, yeah, that's really, really scary. It's also, you know, we're just, um, as you become more well-known, each thing you talk about on stage comes under a bigger and bigger microscope. You have more to lose. You have more to lose, and also people can misunderstand what you're saying. Someone can quote something you said on stage and it could be completely like misconstrued mistake. I even think of like someone like Hannibal with the Bill Cosby bit that somebody taped. Yeah. I'm sure Hannibal is probably like, kind of sucks that that's the thing I'm known for. Yeah. You know, I, if you look at Hannibal, he was like really, really, I felt like he kind of decided to uh, retreat a little bit for a little bit right after that. Cause that's all that anybody wanted to talk about. I don't like where that where that's gone with stand up comedy. Even somebody like Jesselnik, who was on this podcast actually last month, who pushes the envelope a little. And I'm, you know, when when you're getting damn close to the line, right? And the line's right there. And the funniest thing about some of the jokes you're doing is how close you got to the line without going over it. You're gonna have to try jokes that accidentally go over the line. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize. Okay, the line's there. I'll scale that back. And I don't know how you practice that anymore. Well, Anthony, I think, is such a specific example because he could do it better than anybody. He yeah. can get away with jokes that other people can't. And I've seen people online try and come after him. Yeah. And the way he handles it, he's he not— He laughs at them. He just laughs at them. He makes fun of them. He's like, yeah, yeah it is really offensive. Yeah, Thank you're right. You for... I'm the worst person. Yeah, Sorry. That's, that's exactly right. And then he doubles down. And yeah. so he's kind of like—he's Teflon, you know? He's never going to apologize. Never has to apologize. But also it's his— Comic persona. This is a big thing that I've noticed that happens when people misconstrue stuff in TV and movies now. They think what a character is saying is what the creator is saying. Yeah. And that's not true. So, for instance, there'll be a... Uh, I've seen, like... Uh, so there's YA novels, you know, young adult novels. Yeah. They're, like, really... Um, that community is very uh, intense about policing itself. I would say. Them. Do you know about this? Well, I have a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm aware. So what they'll do is they might quote something a bad guy says and be like, this is what's in this book. Do we want our kids to be exposed to this? When really, that's what the bad guy's saying. That's the point. Like, for instance, in my movie, The Big Sick, in the beginning, for the most of the movie, my character is wrong, right? Like, he's wrong about the way he's approaching his relationship, his family life, whatever. And people use that as an example of thinking how I think which is completely not true. That's that character. That's that version of me. Um, Wait, so you're ruining this for Kyle. He, I saw it. What are you He about? thought you were the same yeah. guy. He didn't realize. <laughs> <you> were... <laughs> so that's, that's, I think, a big weird thing is that a lot of times the context is taken away and also it's hard. It's a hard time for nuance. And I also think stuff that sort of checks a bunch of, and again, I am the most liberal guy in the world. Like yeah. truly, truly but I feel like stuff that checks all the boxes of being woke is received better than stuff that uh, is actually of a better quality, but may not go out of its way to make those points. Because it's a pander culture in 2018. I think it's, you, you know you can say certain things and everybody's going to be, if it checks all those boxes, everybody's like, great. Yeah, and they're You've like, checked all the boxes. Good job. I've seen so many things that I'm like, this is not a well-made movie. It's the dialogue is bad, the story doesn't work, the jokes aren't funny. 
its politics are right. Yeah. And so that's why it gets really lauded. I'm hoping it's an overcorrection and that things will sort of go back to how they were. But there are certain things now that you're kind of not allowed to dislike. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also don't like that. The the exchange of ideas used to be better if you didn't agree with some uh, with somebody else. There was more of a discourse about it. And like, let's say I had somebody who, you know, the most conservative person ever on my podcast who was really over the line. My job, if I'm talking to them, is to talk about their ideas. And if I don't agree with them, pin holes in them and and pick them apart and try to flip the ideas on the person, right? right? We don't do that anymore. Everybody's just in their own corners talking about stuff. And that that's the part. It's just people who agree with each other talking to each other. That's and ex- I don't know if that's a good thing at all. That's exactly right. There's two sides to what you just said. <laughs> As we agree with each other. No, right? exactly. Well, I'm going to slightly disagree a little bit. The idea, What you said of having someone conservative come on and actually talk to them. and I, I understand that, but I also understand that someone who truly has really virulent ideas coming on your podcast, that it could be seen as uh, legitimacy for that person. True. Like so uh, if you have too. Alex Jones on your podcast. Exactly. You don't, I don't think that that's a good idea unless you, know, you do what you want to do, but I wouldn't have him on a podcast. I that would not either. That he's worthy of talking to, and he's really not worthy of talking to. Uh, but I do think, and I think maybe it's probably the, the internet, right? Um, we sound so old with our gray well the internet can beards. the internet mobilizes like it's Clint Eastwood and the Unforgiven getting a posse <laughs> and they're all like go get them and then they all gather together that's the thing you know the initial promise of the internet I remember when I was in college studying computer science in the late 90s my professor Dr. John Stone who was this sort of philosopher computer scientist just a really smart great guy was so optimistic about the internet. And he had this quote up that was something like, the rise of the internet is the promise of the return of voice. Basically, he meant true democracy. Everybody's going to be able to contribute and everybody's ideas will be considered. And you'll be able to talk to people who disagree with you, people that you would not have had access to without the internet. That was the promise. But what's happened is the opposite, which is what you're saying, which is people who agree with each other, talk to each other and just yell at the people who disagree with them. And there's no real discourse. I mean, I really can't really go on Twitter like I use it to promote. But I used to be on Twitter and I would talk to people. But you really cannot do that anymore. Yeah, I wonder as we head into this next decade, because I remember when I was growing up reading about somebody like Lenny Bruce. Yeah. And Lenny Bruce was operating, you know, he was taking how uptight everybody was and flipping it against them. And George Carlin was doing it too. And all these comedians who eventually became these reverential figures, Richard Pryor. Right. And part of the reason they they became so revered was because they were pushing the envelope with stuff like that. And I wonder now who's going to, who's the generation that's going to push the envelope and be like, actually... We've swung too far the other way. We're too uptight, and I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to make fun of you for being too uptight about this, 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 or this. Who's going to do that? It's interesting because I think what those guys had was obviously they were pushing the envelope, but they had a point of view about it. They had a philosophy about it. There was reasoning behind it. I feel like now, at least online, it's um, edgelord is the term, right? People just try and make the most shocking joke you can. you know, jokes about Jewish people, black people, whatever, um, that don't really have a point of view beyond shock. Yeah, shock and be mean. Yeah, shock and be mean. And so it's not really the same as Lenny Bruce or George Carlin because those guys had something to say, uh, Richard Pryor too. But that's my question is, could could we have the next generation of those guys? Well, it's become... And what would that even look like? It's tough because people are dismissed and, you know, so quickly for certain things that then it can be hard to fight against that sort of tide that comes after you. Yeah, there's no room for error at all anymore. Yeah, and I really hope it's gonna it's just overcorrecting and it'll fix itself at some I, point. I feel like it's not. I mean what's I, I actually I, I hate to sound bleak, but I really I really worry about comedy. Because comedy was supposed to be the one thing we had that no matter what else was going on in life we had this, yeah. and these guys were off limits. So this goes back to the fucking court jester a million years ago. Yeah. And comedy was always like a safe haven. And yeah. 
I wonder if that's just going to continue to lose its impact. Yeah, I mean, so I haven't been doing stand-up really for the last couple of years. And part of it is I talk to my friends and I'm like, what are people talking about? And they're like, most people are talking about Trump. And yeah. the audience is sick of it. They don't yeah. want to hear it anymore. He's orange. <clears throat> right. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that one. I mean, that's the thing. It's really hard because the stuff that's happening in the world is so big and specific that... And depressing. And depressing that if you don't talk about it, it feels like you're ignoring it. And if you talk about it, well, then you're talking about what everyone's talking about. And people go to the clubs to not want to hear that shit anymore. So it's a, it's a difficult, it is a very difficult time for comedy. Uh, so, so that's what, it's been hard for me to figure out what I would want to talk about on stage. Well, I think you should just go have a meeting with Netflix. And they'd be like, hey, can we help you figure this out with $20 million? <laughs> I would love to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great I'm happy idea. to go figure it out. I'll call Ted Sarandos. Netflix is throwing, throwing money out. Netflix has really skewed the, the stand-up like, market. by Skewed? By they over, blew it up. They blew it up by, oh, I don't want to say overpay because, you know what? If you can get that money, get it's that beautiful. money. A lot of them are my friends. That's awesome. But what's happened is that nobody else can afford it. Comedy Central can't afford to pay that, you know? I mean, people right. are making, like, millions of dollars. And I'm not talking about just Dave Chappelle and stuff. I mean, oh, like yeah. people who are very funny, but no one near Dave Chappelle are making great money. Well, it's also globalized them. Yes. And now they can go to, you know, 50 countries. Well, look at someone like Ali Wong, right, who was a friend of mine and a very funny comedian, but she was just doing local shows. She had her Netflix show come out, a special come out. And it just like made her overnight someone people knew. Yeah. And then she did another special and then that did even more. And then she did a movie that she wrote that she stars in and that did even more. So so it's interesting, the streaming. Was that thing. the one, uh, You're My Maybe or whatever? Always Be My Maybe, yeah. Uh, Needs to say my 14-year-old daughter loved that movie. Oh, yeah. that's oh, great. Yeah. yeah, she likes all the Netflix rom-coms. There's a lot of Netflix rom-coms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've, they've really like decided to go all in on that. It was a great idea. Yeah. Because they stopped making them. They did, you know, and and because nobody was, they we had this 15, 20 year run of them, and then people stopped going to see them in the movie theater. But then every time they're on cable or in Blockbuster or wherever, everyone would eventually see them. Right. So I think Netflix just looked at it and goes, ah, we'll just make them. Yeah, they're cheap come right to here. make. Yeah. Did the Big Sick have a Netflix run? No, it's Amazon. So they're like competitors. So it's on uh, Amazon. So it's on Amazon, now, which is great because they were great to us. But if it was on Netflix, that would be Amazon forever. Amazon forever until oh. Amazon's around. Is Amazon going to die? I, I don't think so. Not only is Amazon not going to die, I think <laughs> it'll. They're be. just going to eventually. They'll figure out this content thing, like they figured out groceries. You have to. Yeah, there were, or music and all the other stuff they've done. And at some point, they're just going to be like, hey, let's just take content from everybody. It is interesting because, you know, I would say that like content, you know, there's like a creative aspect to it. So it doesn't really apply. But Netflix did it. Netflix figured it out. Netflix took sort of a Silicon Valley approach to, yeah. to entertainment and it has worked for them. And it's for them, it's volume, right? They like make a lot of stuff, 5% hits, but that's still a huge. I, I had a meeting at Netflix a couple of years ago for something. And in that year, they were making 80 movies. Eight, zero movies. Yeah. No studio ever in the history has made 80 movies. Either. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And that you said volume is one thing. The other thing I think is intelligence. Like they, they study the behavior of who watches what, and they've mastered this algorithm now that now they're making all the stuff the algorithm has told them people like this. Dude, they know how we think. There was a show, I believe it's David, I think it's David Fincher. It's an animated show called Love, Sex, and Robots or something like that. Have you seen it? Love, I haven't. And I, I know what it is, though. So, yeah, so it's sort of like an old school heavy, you know, remember Heavy Metal, that animated thing? Yeah. It's sort of like that. So there's like 12 episodes, but depending on who you are, the order of the episodes is different. Oh, wow. So there was a guy, he was like, Netflix clearly figured out I was gay. And so this is the order I have. And then my order is different from someone else's order. So there's like a bunch of different orders based on, I mean, they know everything about you, you know? It's funny. I have an account. So I have, it's it's labeled, right? It's like dad. Uh-huh. That's mine. My wife's name. My daughter's name. And then my son's name, which you've met, who we... we it says dickhead, which I think, and he can't figure out how to change it. 
<laughs> so, so dickheads is to- it's got like you know big mouth and all the stuff that he's not supposed to watch that he's watching. And then my daughter, you go on her main screen and it's like all rom coms yeah. and and uh, Kate and Ale- Alexa and Kate, whatever that show is, all those types of shows. Mine is like all action and horror. Uh huh. And oh, you fucking- like horror? Oh yeah, I've seen every horror movie ever. That's my favorite genre. Yeah, I'm out of horror movies. I actually yeah, me too. I actually want to get amnesia and then come back three years from now and have like three years of new horror movies Dude, to watch. My wife and I'm I. I'm so tired of. I, I there's nothing left. Do you have Shutter? You know what that is. Do of I have Shutter? Yeah. We've done, <laughs> okay. All right. They've sponsored the pod too. They, okay. Yeah. We have. I'm on all of them. We're always looking. What have if you something's seen? wrong with the house, I'm in. Well, oh. <laughs> if you buy, you buy, <laughs> you bought a new house and it's like it seems great. Wait. Yeah. And the guy's like, just don't go up in the attic. Yeah. Some weird shit went on there. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. That's all yeah. I need. I'll watch the whole damn thing. Uh, what, what Have you seen anything recently that you liked? <sighs> no. It's hard. No. For a genre we love. We're in, a, we're in actually in a little bit of a slump right now, but I think it's going to come out of it with the the new Conjury movies, what, January 20, June 26th. We're taping this in June. But yeah. that one, that one's coming. And I think the new Annabelle. Annabelle? Yeah. yeah. That one will be good. And then th- apparently there's a couple later this summer. Yeah. But they know. Like they, there's Child's people- Play. Child's Play is coming out soon. Yeah, I'll see Child's Play. Yeah. I like the Halloween remake. Yeah, me too. I think the Conjuring, the two Conjurings, I, I think I've been the happiest with. I feel like those movies are weirdly underrated. And I know they're huge hits, but yeah. I, people don't see them as like sort of horror- Like how they should be nominated for an Oscar potentially? <laughs> we, we've talked about that on- we talk about movies a lot here, and it's if you look at the 2013 movies, that, I think it's 2013. Yeah, it's like it's one of the five best movies of that year, but you would never, it would never get nominated. Well, he's a great director, and you, a director of that caliber with actors of that caliber. Was it Conjuring Two? There's a scene where, uh, I think it's Pat- Patrick Wilson's in the foreground, and in the background, you see that person like change into a demon, but they're out of focus and yeah, they have yeah, a conversation. Yeah. I was like, any movie that has that scene is worth spending money on. Like So what are I, your what are your all timers? Oh man, it's tough. It changes, you know, it's hard to get away from the shining, of course. I would say the descent is one of my descent. So I had not seen the descent until last year. What'd you think? I, ju- I just missed it. And a couple of people at the ringer were like, yeah, I see the descent. Yeah. I thought it was incredible. Isn't it amazing? It's definitely, yeah. it's a Hall of Famer. It's not Mount Rushmore for me, but it's a Hall of Famer. So that's up there for me. Um, I love the original Texas Chainsaw. You know, that's- Great a, ending. Great ending. Yeah. And the first time he shows up with the door is awesome. I like when he does like the whirl with the chainsaw at the end. It's it not enough no, he's running out. It was like the 360. It's, it's like a, Vince Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still in the league. Still in the league. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Well, what are your top ones? So Mount Rushmore for me would probably be, I mean, probably older just because I've seen them the most, but Halloween, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shining. um, It's weird. The Shining has actually gained steam for me. And I I saw that movie in the theater when I was 10 and I was freaked the fuck out and probably saw it way too early. Right. 10 or, I was 10 or 11. Well, there's a sequel to that coming out too. The Shining? Yeah. That's sacred ground. I know. It feels weird. They recreated scenes from it. They reshot part of it. Anyway. Halloween, Shining. Um, I would probably say the first Conjuring. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one just would depend on what mood I was in. Because, like, I love the original Amityville Horror. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I love love the dad just starting to fucking slowly lose it. He's staring in the fire. (laughs) (laughs) I love all that stuff. I think the first scream is actually, like, really great. It's so good. The first scream It revived the whole genre and the whole thing. Um, First Saw was really good. Yeah. Became whatever it is. But, yeah, I mean, Um, I actually made a list. You could come up with a couple more. I'll read you a couple more on my list. Okay. Okay. Uh, Have you seen... Um, have you seen like, okay, so here, this is a fucked up one. It's not on my Mount Rushmore, but okay. it's like a really, really messed up one. I guarantee I've seen it. Martyrs? Did you see Martyrs? Martyrs? What's that? It's a French movie. Uh, see, re- once we leave America, that, you don't I'm get a little spottier. It? No, I'm spottier. I've seen a lot. Martyrs is probably the most fucked up uh, movie I've ever seen. And it's a French horror movie. Home what? Invasion? No. So the movie starts where most movies end. 
So it's basically this girl gets kidnapped. She's like 13, is tortured forever. And the movie starts with her escaping. Oh. So then the whole time, the structure of it's so weird that you kind of never know what's coming. And it's basically she's 13 and then she kind of grows up and goes back to that house where she was taken. And the stuff that happens, you just, it's its just- Martyrs. Martyrs. But yeah, but I kind of recommend it because it really is, it's a, it's a fucking mess. It's really, really well made. It's not just like gore piled on gore. It's like a well-made film. Like it's sort of designed to really unsettle you all the way through. Here's, I have, so I yes, made a list. Ahead. Yeah. Halloween 1. Yeah. Sounds of the Lambs 2. Sounds of the Lambs. Sounds of the Lambs. I can't believe I forgot that yeah, one. Yeah, I know, That's on my top so, five. Sorry sure. to Hannibal. For sure. The Shining 3, Scream 4, 7, 5, Get Out 6, Exorcist 7, Drag Me I to Hell 8. Great. Drag Me to Hell I is I fucking great. love Drag you know Me what? to Hell. I, I, uh, what movie I just thought of recently that I loved was Demon Knight. Do you remember? Uh, Tales from the Crypt Presents Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I of thought course. that was awesome. Not, you know, top 10 or top 20, but really... Really awesome. Conjuring 9, Amityville Horror 10. That's my wow, top 10. that's a good list. Most underrated, Silent Rage. Silent like, Rage? Silent Rage with Chuck Norris. I don't, that's a horror movie? Yeah, 1982. It was a Halloween ripoff. He's a sheriff in Texas. The movie starts, this guy, he just has like a mental breakdown and starts killing everyone in his family with an axe. Chuck Norris kills him. So they take the body to the uh -huh, hospital uh -huh. and the two scientists are like, hey, we should... Try that potion we to, <laughs> to revive people. That's never a good idea with yeah. a killer. Yeah, with, Don't the with a killer. Let's try it with this guy. No, his <laughs> no. family won't care. That's the worst guy to try it with. Yeah, so they put the medicine in, and, and he becomes a, he wakes up and becomes the serial killer again. But now he can't die. He's like now super he can't human. die. Does he look human or is he all? He's human. Up? He's fine. Yeah, but he's like people are killing him. He's just getting up. Yeah. So then Chuck Norris finally has to take him down again. Okay. It's fucking great. It's so good. I can't believe they haven't remade it. It's my number one. I can't believe they haven't it's remade like this movie. It's like a martial arts horror movie? The guy won't die. <laughs> <laughs> I, did the, I did a podcast with Ron Silver in like 2000. Not a podcast, uh, an interview with Ron Silver. I was do, I was, they assigned me to write about the movie Ali. Remember? Of course. So he was the trainer and he had like 10 minutes with each person. All right, right, right. So I'm doing this junket and then Ron Silver's there and uh, I'm like, I'm a huge Silent Rage fan. He's like, the guy who wouldn't die. Like he got immediately <laughs> excited. It was like nobody had mentioned it to him in 20 years. So. I mean, so how does it end then? I'm not going to tell you. You got to okay. watch it. Okay. It's on Amazon, your favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we want, I'm in for any home invasion movie Did where, especially like if it's like a resort or like a, like a, a uh, not resort. What's the word? The uh, remote location. Like us. Yeah, like yeah. A, a cabin. Yeah. I like cabins where it's yeah. like, oh, it's so peaceful out here. I'm just going to write a couple chapters of my book. And then, right. and then it's like a knock on the door. Yeah, if you survive this, your book's going to be way more interesting. And I like... I like a house where something's in the attic and they find it and it's like, what's this? Uh-huh. What's that one? What's the Ethan Hawke? Is there an Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke one? one, yeah. They find, like the, they find the thing in the desert. It's cool. Yeah, I they like find like one. a, what is it, like a little little statue skeleton thing? Yeah, what is it? And the it? kid's like, I'm not going to tell my parents. I'm just going to bring this with me Never to our house. Never going to. Always tell, tell your, your parents. parents always tell your parents. You find something creepy, tell oh, your it parents. It Follows was really good. That was it a Follows is great. That was a, that was a classic. I really like the new It, too. Oh, yeah. It's super fun. Really funny. It too. And so haters in It, too, is they're like I all know. grown up. I know. I wanted to ask you about The Big Sick. Yeah. Which I know you've talked about ad nauseum, but now it's two years. It was two no, years ago. No, I'm ready ago. to talk about it. No, just like you threw yourself in this movie. You wrote it with with your wife. Yeah. And it was super personal. It was the kind of movie when it gets made. It's cool. You do your round of interviews. Like it makes like five million bucks and then like has a life on video or Netflix or whatever. And it's like, oh, that was adorable. That movie actually succeeded. Yeah. It made money. Yeah. It, it Was there a point during that whole run where you're like, holy shit, people are seeing this? Uh, no, even still. I mean, we got nominated for a fucking Oscar for, I know. for writing it. Um, no, I don't. I, I can't. I mean, my problem is, I don't really ever enjoy any success. It's always yeah. like the next thing. I remember when I first did Letterman, as soon as I got done, I was like, all right, how do I get to do this again? <laughs> so there was no like, 
right. enjoyment of it. You know, it's <clears throat> there's never really a time to be like, okay, now it's so so it was a platform release, so it opened in five theaters, then like twenty. Th- so we were trying to get it up as much as we could, and we got it over a thousand eventually, which was amazing, or, or maybe over two thousand. Like we went pretty wide. But those five weeks, you're like going town to town pushing the movie, right? You're almost so, like, yeah, you're like a, a politician, like <clears throat> stumping really? and trying to get like yeah, recognition. Yeah, I'm stumping, trying to get people to, you know, to more more theaters to open it. So that whole time, there's like a goal, right? You're not like I've done it. And then when it finally starts, like, stop making money, you're like, oh, I guess the run is done. I was hoping for a little more, but but this is fine. And then you start doing the, what people don't know is that, you know, when you are campaigning for an Oscar, it's yeah. it's so much work. It's it's not a pure process in the sense that this is a great movie, now it gets nominated. Like you said, The Conjuring, right? They probably didn't do a campaign. Get Out did a campaign, right. and Get Out got nominated a ton, and it deserved it. Get Out was, you know, an Class. awesome movie. It's on all-timer. your list. Yeah, one of the all-timers for sure. Um and so then you're sort of pushing for that. So it's all, and then you get nominated and you're like, and that we, I did enjoy the day we got nominated. That was a good day. Good. Day. And then you're like, all right, now to keep going and see if we can win, even though we knew we weren't going to win. And Jordan Peele won and he deserved to win. It was awesome. But there's never really a moment to sit back and enjoy it. Now I can look back and be like, I mean, it changed my life. It changed my career. It was it was I'm, great. We're wired the same way. I've, I never enjoy anything. I could. I would have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you do, it's 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 actually probably dangerous. If what you do you feel, mean? Like you become? No. If you're talking? like, all right, that was cool. We did it. No, it's not a good. Absolutely thing. not. I when you said that, like my, it felt so alien to me. Never. Uh, so like this movie, you know, Amazon bought it, right? Amazon bought it and distributed it. Yeah. I mean that's that's like one of the better streaming. It was like one of the first streaming success stories. I feel like now it's a little more common. Yeah, I think the year before us was Manchester by the Sea, and that yeah. did really well for them. And then and then we did really well. And then it's getting harder and harder to get people to go to the theater to see movies. You know, they'll right. go for Avengers. They'll go for you know. You're dealing with this now. This Batista thing. We're having this yeah. terrible summer, and you have a movie coming out, and like these movies are bombing left and right. Everything's bombing. I mean, I was in a movie that bombed last weekend. Oh, the Men in Black? Yeah. I thought you were just a voice. Were you actually in it? No, I'm a voice. I'm an alien. But yeah. I'm in a bunch of the movie. And it just, people just didn't go see it. You know? It's, t- it's tough to redo that one. I mean, by the time people hear this, it'll be some distance from it. But um, it's tough to redo a franchise like that and not have Will Smith in it. I mean, obviously. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I can't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I think they really, you know, yeah. I mean, with someone like, uh, when you think it's of It's like Men we're Bo- rebooting the 2012 Heat, yeah. but we don't have LeBron. Right, exactly. It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's such an iconic role for yeah, him. Yeah, it's tough you know? to separate it. I think that might be when he went, like, when he became full movie star was Men in Black. Was that his first, like, huge, crazy movie star performance? I don't know. His, um, his whole decade. Yeah, I remember, like, Bad Boys... Bad Boys. Is when I was the, like, yeah. holy, Bad Boys is coming. Holy shit. Yeah. Him and Martin Lawrence. I mean, he's so good. I, I want him to go back to making, to make like another just, Aladdin I thought was great. He was People great. seem to like it. He was great in Aladdin. Yeah, the yeah. movie you did with Batista, though. Yes. I still feel like people will go see a good action movie. I hope so. It's a movie called Stuber. It comes out July 12th. And I really, really love this movie. Um, I really, really do. And, you know, sometimes you do stuff that doesn't turn out well. Uh, Certainly dealt with that a whole bunch. But this one is fucking great. I love this movie. And Batista's great in it. It's funny. So best case scenario, it does well. The other scenario is it doesn't do that well, but then people will eventually find it. I hope so. I mean, you know, I want to say, like, the the satisfaction is in making a good movie, everything else you can't control. Yeah. but the reality of it is, if this movie doesn't do well, it does hurt my career. It hurt, hurts my opportunities. It hurts what I can do next. If it does well, you know, it's fucking great. Then I could go buy an island. Um, so, so, so we're really- I think you get the Dos Equis thing either way, though, no matter how it plays out. <laughs> I want to go beyond Dos Equis. No offense to the Dos Equis guy. That's not like the career, like, high point I'm aiming for. Um, what, kind of, what kind of opportunities did you have after the big sick? 
Uh, a lot. So basically what happened... Were you careful? Yes. Stuber was what I picked, and I didn't do anything for a long time because you... What happens is when there's like a new person who's seen as like a new comedy person, right? New like, face. New face in comedy. Like it happened to Tiffany around the same time. Um, all these studios will dust off scripts that they've been sitting on for decades, and yeah. they'll send them to you. Yeah. And you'll see like, oh, at one point, Jim Carrey was going to be this. At one point, Will Ferrell was going to be, this, you know. So you get all these scripts that are, to be honest, not good enough to get made. <clears throat> and it is, it's seductive, you know. You're like, you have to work so hard to get even small parts in movies. And now people want me to be the lead of these like big studio movies. But I didn't like any of them. Yeah. Um, and and I was so, like, nervous after The Big Sick. Like, where do you go? Like, a movie that my wife and I wrote that's so personal to us did so well. Where, where do you go after that? So I had a little bit of paralysis for a little while, and I kind of didn't pick anything for a year. And then I read Stuber, and I really liked it. And I loved Dave Batista. Um, and the director was great. He did a movie called Goon, which I'm sure you know. Goon was good. I like Goon. Goon's really What's good. What's the director's name? Michael Douse. Yeah, that was good. And so I picked Stuber because I was like, okay, that's so different from the big stick that it cannot be compared to it, you know. Um, so I'll just do this. And it had some stuff in it that I was like, if we can push this aspect of it, then it will really become something that'll be different from anything. So it's a great action comedy, but it has some stuff in it that you wouldn't really expect in an action comedy like this. I liked him in uh... Blade Runner. No. Heist. Is that what it's called? I don't know what that De is. De Niro? I don't... He's in that. What's heist? It was... Uh, they do a heist, and he's one do of they? the bad guys in it. Yeah, it's, it's a heist, You're heist. not going to believe this, but there's a heist. <laughs> and uh, it's like a double-cross heist movie, and he's one of the guys in it. And that was the first time I'd seen him in a movie. I was like, I know this guy. This hat. That guy looks like Batista. And then, you know, you do the... You hop on your phone. You do IMDb it as you're Are watching Are you a wrestling it. guy? Have I'm, you been Oh, yeah, big time? wrestling guy. Yeah. Really? Um, I was like... <clears throat> I was like... Oh my God! That that, he, that is Batista. He's great in this movie, man. He's so good, and he's just so soulful. I don't know how else to describe it. Have you met him ever? I've never met him, but I became fascinated by him like a year ago. Somebody wrote a big feature about him. I don't Where? know if you read it. It was. I'm sure I did. It was like a new. It was newspaper magazine. It was an online. Something, but it was just a big feature about him trying to cross over into acting. And he was like way more thoughtful than I expected. Yeah. I was like, what's going on here? Because yeah. I just knew him as like the meathead wrestling star guy. I mean, he looks so specific. It's going to be hard for him to get the types of roles that I think he truly deserves, you know? like well, I'm always for more action stars. I love action movies. Dude, he's so, I mean, he looks, he looks like a million bucks. He's huge and he's just so good in this movie I, i'm so happy to just be I, I i said like i was like even if this movie tanks you know the reviews are bad i'm just it'll be worth it just to have met batista well you'll have me and ben simmons because ben I, simmons loves you now yeah <laughs> he, was he was so mad that i didn't tell him when he was sitting next to you that you're a famous person oh he, and i was like i didn't realize but what would he know me from nothing right he's not watched the big sick or anything no, he wouldn't know you. I was no. going to say, if, did, did he see Silicon Valley? But I don't think he's watched that. If, if he did a voice on Big Mouth, he would have been really super mm, impressed. I love that Work show. on that one. That's, I you should. could be like a new hormone monster. I'm friends with Kroll. Why would he yeah. not put me in? Tell him you want to just be hormone something for just one episode. Just put me in for one episode. My son, they did like the birds and the bees talk at his school at the end of fifth grade. It was uh -huh. like the first one. And I'm like, uh, I was like, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to <laughs> talk about this before you have it? He's like, dad. I know everything. I've seen every episode of Big Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but he was dead serious. Well, That's yeah. how he found out about puberty from Nick Kroll. Have you seen is that, that a good thing? No. Is it good that Nick Kroll is shaping the puberty of an entire generation? It is better that it's through a TV show <laughs> and not like Nick Kroll sitting your son down to be like, <laughs> you didn't rolling like his own cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was rolling his own cigarettes yeah, for a yeah. while. Yeah, he, he'll do it every once in a while. Um, do you, have, do you, have you seen Big Mouth? I have. It, more to, we didn't know that he was watching it until he had watched a season and a half. I mean, it's a filthy show. It's really filthy. Mm -hmm. He was watching South Park before we realized he was watching it, and we didn't stop that in time either. So, But he seems very smart and like a That's, normal good kid. My thing is, I want my kids to have a sense of humor. Yeah. And if they have to watch this stuff three years before they would have watched it, it's, it's probably okay. I mean— 
the shit I watched when I was a kid. That's how I felt it. I watched everything. I mean, other than like porn, which Mm. I didn't get to watch until I was probably, I mean, even that was too early. There was just scrambled porn back then. Yeah, you just flip channels back and forth. You see like a green nipple. A nipple for three seconds. Yeah, like a square nipple. (laughs) You're like, pretty sure that's a nipple. Yeah. The first boobs I saw was in Total Recall. Remember the girl with three boobs? The three boob lady. That was the first boobs I ever saw. I've actually been in conversations with people where we argued about whether it was okay to be attracted to her. And my my angle was, yes, Yes. she's attractive. I mean, of course. Yeah, the three boob lady was iconic. Yeah, no, I remember. 80s, babe. Yeah, I remember being so confused, being like, oh my God, couple questions. Some <laughs> things need clarifying. It's cra- it was uh, crazy on Mars back then. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of radiation. So uh, you have you have this movie. Oh, so- baby, you make me wish I had three hands. That's what he says. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that's that. What he says. So yeah. you have this movie, what else do you have? So Stuber. Um, then I got, uh, we start, uh, we start Silicon Valley the last season next, next week we start shooting, uh, and emotional. Yeah, of course. Really. It is emotional. It's, you know, uh, very special job and situation. Never going to have anything like that ever again. Uh, it was great. It's great to be on a show that you would actually watch, even if you weren't on it, you know? Well, also the, the, every rich guy you ever meet for the rest of your life will, Oh, my God. I mean, all of them watch that show. Yeah. They're watching it like the same way doctors would watch ER and criticize the... Right. Oh, you'd never do a surgery that Uh, way. Exactly. A lot of them are terrible people. Spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) We've met a lot of these big tech (laughs) people. Who could have guessed? And they... uh, Well, here's the thing. Right now, everyone's upset at Silicon Valley tech industry. Yeah. And they're like, they're douchebags. I'm like, we've known for six years. Yeah. When we first did the pilot and we went to Silicon Valley to meet these people, we were like, oh, these people fucking suck. And now you're seeing how much they suck. Like all the, the Facebook stuff and all that. Well, Why the didn't... thing is, if you watch Silicon Valley, it's not like the, the characters who had a ton of money were these awesome people. no. No, it's I mean, pretty much from the get go. Right. Mike Judge was trying to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are not great people. No, they're assholes. Yeah. Yeah. They're like somehow in some ways very smart. Like like Jack Dorsey, the Twitter guy who says he eats like one meal a day and on weekends doesn't eat at all. Yeah. I don't buy that. How could you live like that? <laughs> I had him on a pod like four months ago. I didn't ask him about that and I should have. What was he like? <sighs> It was actually a really good pod, right? Yeah, he was really skinny, though. I might buy it. He's, re- he's really skinny. I got to say, he is skinny. But we we really went... It was weird talking to him about the whole abuse thing. And it's weird when somebody... Oh, you asked him about that stuff. Oh, we talked sure. about it a lot. Because I was, I was like, how have you not fixed this yet? And there, he's doing the thing. Yeah, I mean, he was really nice. Sure. But he was doing the whole thing like, yeah, it's something we got to fix. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you're the guy. And, you, you're, and, you're, why are you here? Go I'm, fix it. I'm literally asking him. Like, Eat a fucking hamburger and fix this. <laughs> I'm like, you're the guy who can fix this. It's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was just so weird. I that, really think his brain would work better if he wasn't, if he was eating on the weekends. <laughs> have some chips. Yeah, man. Have you had a French fry recently? They're so good. I've Give never, it was, it was like talking to the head of a fire department. As a building's burning, he's like, yes. like, yeah, that building's burning. He's like, yeah, we got to do something. <laughs> yeah. And he's just kind of standing there looking at the burning building. And well, that, it was bizarre. I, I worry about the DNA. DNA? Like these pe- I have all these relatives who are like, I got my DNA test. I found out I'm 60% Irish and 40 And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all right, but now they have your DNA. Right. We Everything gets uh, leaked left and right. And uh, we've all of our information goes everywhere. It's like, why do I want my DNA out there with it, some random fucking site? Everything goes everywhere. And I honestly don't know how we go back. Like, I think, no, I think we're screwed. privacy is such an important part of a society. And if you look at societies where privacy has been, like, compromised at its core, I know people are like, don't use the Nazi example, but that's how the Nazi society was like. You know, people were reporting on their friends, like there was no privacy. It's the same with like a, um, you know, later. Did you see this movie, The Lives of Others? Yeah. Oh God, I love that movie. Side sidetrack. Um, well, my question is, will privacy? Are we just heading toward a world where their privacy is like kind of irrelevant? You know, well, like people are so deconditioned now to 
celebrity nudity. Like when Pamela Anderson made the sex tape in 1996, I felt like that was like one of the five biggest moments of that year. That's like, she's in a sex tape. What? Yeah. Now it's like, yeah. Anybody could be in a sex tape. It wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Fucking Screech was in a sex tape. <laughs> Screech was. The Obamas could be in a fucking sex tape and it would be have be like a two day story and it would go away. I mean, maybe the problem is that each thing that happens gets disseminated so much that that then becomes the floor. Yeah. So then the next time that happens, it's nothing. So now you, the next thing has to be like escalated a little bit. And then that becomes normal. It's and like wrestling. Like, it's like, in wrestling, the moves became crazier and crazier. And all of a sudden you have dudes jumping off 40-foot ladders and practically breaking their neck. Which is what we saw at, yeah. at WrestleMania. Because at some point you desensitize the audience where yeah. they need to they already saw that. You gotta go one, right. it's one like crazy step. Life higher. is like a John Wick movie or yeah. a Fast and the Furious movie. Seriously. Just like now they're dragging a safe around. John Wick, he wrote I love John Wick three. Mm. He's riding a fucking horse through Manhattan. Like yeah. what, what? And that's like 40% of the way into the movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where do you go from there? It was great. Yeah, I don't Yeah, it was great. I don't know where things are going. How many seasons should Silicon Valley have been? I think 6 is the right. Do you think it's the right number? I think so. I mean, part of it is that our deals were for 6 seasons. Right. So if we did a 7th one, I mean, we would make great money. Oh. Uh, so I think. But you already have the Netflix special. That yeah. Give you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got it. The two yeah. episode I comedy special. Ted and uh, we're, Ted, we're, Ted's already. He's he has his algorithm told him that yeah. that we were talking about. We were this. talking about it. So yeah. so it was SoCon Valley. Did you feel like the TJ Miller stuff overshadowed the middle part of the run at all? Because it became like the dominant story with the show for like a year. Did it? I felt um, like it. You know, I was working so hard to <clears throat> avoid it, to ignore yeah. it, because it was such a part of our lives for so long um, that um, I hope not. I hope the show is remembered beyond that. But I do oh, know. Oh, I think it will absolutely be remembered beyond he that. Did, it just like it did seem like it derailed the, the press for it for about a year. I mean, he did three interviews in a row that were like him ripping on the show yeah, and on Alec Berg. And I remember I remember when Alec Berg is our showrunner. And yeah. He still is, has been from the beginning. Now he's with Bill Hader too now on Barry. Now yeah. Barry, which is a great show. Daddy's got a new family. Turns out he's good at stuff, Alec Berg. He's a fucking genius, man. And I remember TJ like ripping on him and as an example being like, I mean, he's, you know, he comes from the Seinfeld world. So what does he know? You mean the greatest, one of the greatest yeah. sitcoms of all time? <laughs> the most time? iconic sitcom we've ever made? <laughs> yeah. You're using that to diss him? I mean, and he did Curb. <laughs> and right? he did Curb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, you know, Alec is, I haven't met every showrunner, comedy showrunner in Hollywood, but I can't imagine one better than him. Right. He's, You're imagining he's in the upper, upper echelon. He's on the, he's on Mount Rushmore and I bet other comedy showrunners who have met more people will agree. He's. I mean, the guy doesn't miss. Uh, Do you feel like a show like that is almost like a basketball team? When is the show better when everybody is getting along and on the same page, or does it not matter? Because I, I look at like how Kyrie Irving has affected the Celtics this past year. Yeah, my beloved team that is now completely falling apart. What's um, gonna, is he still there? Well, he's gonna leave. He's gonna. By leave. the time people hear this, they'll be like, "Oh, this is so cute." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna leave right now. I think he's leaving at the end of June, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's going to Brooklyn. I think it goes both ways. I yeah. think that there has to be some sort of thing. Either there has to be like deep love or there has to be maybe deep hate. Because a lot of the great stuff you hear like, oh, they hated each other. So you can sort of feel that on screen. I think the worst thing is apathy. I've certainly worked on stuff where I'm like, nobody cares about this. True. Nobody's upset, but nobody's like having a great time either. People are just kind of doing it. I think that's the stuff that has nothing. I would much rather be in an environment that's like loving and everybody, like our show now, yeah, the last season and this season, it's like it's gross how much. Like we hang out all the time still. Like, it's funny. I remember I wrote a column about A Rod ten years ago. Uh huh. And the thesis was like he he was at his all time most disliked, and he was the steroids thing, and he was coming back. Wait, and, he had a steroids thing? Yeah, he a couple times. Okay, yeah, couple I'm not times. a big. Uh, oh yeah, he had guy. a couple ones. But my whole thesis was sometimes it's good to have the one guy at work that. It drives everybody crazy because it brings everybody else together. Yeah. It's like this common enemy they have. So that's a yeah. that's, that's therapy strategy. So my wife was a therapist and she, when she would do group therapy, she would make herself the bad guy so that yeah. the group could bond together against her. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what happens is like if there's one who's like the bad apple, 
once that bad apple leaves, then you got to be a little careful that you don't become the bad apple because the dynamic is that, you know, groups work better if there's somebody to work against. Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach. Yeah, has I, been, I do know basketball. Yeah, he's been on this pot a bunch of times. He but seems now, like not a as much great time. guy. He's the best. Yeah. But he always had the two knucklehead theory where you can have <laughs> one knucklehead on your team, but if you have two, they might hang out. <laughs> and if they're hanging out, you know, then anything can happen. And then they might they might pull the third guy in who doesn't talk well, but that's right. or who doesn't talk that much, but he's with those two guys. And now you have three of them. Right. That's and, what uh, Ray Romano, who's in Big Sick, had twins. And he's like, that's the problem with twins. It's like if there's one kid who's crazy, that's fine. But once there's two, yeah. that's an exponential That's like increase. seven crazy kids. And I've been like... Um, we have another show coming out for Apple. Apple starting a streaming service. Yeah, it's called Little America. I've heard of Apple. Yeah, they, you know your phones and yeah, all yeah, that stuff. yeah. I think they make the phone app. But they're getting into the game now. Yeah, the they're getting in the game. game. And so we have a show there called Little America. Who else is involved in Little America? Uh, me, Emily, uh, Alan Yang. Who? That's what. That's how I knew about that. Yeah. Do you yeah. know him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and uh, Lee Eisenberg is another. I'm on another. a basketball text thread with him. Oh, really? I'm on two. I'm actually on two different text threads with him because one is, I'm like, uh, he's friends with Chang, my my buddy. Right, Chang, right, right. Chang's great. Um, and all those guys. So I we have like an Asian sports thread that I think I'm the only non-Asian on. Cool, man. But like when Lynn, <laughs> for Lynn Sanity in the finals, like oh, we yeah. were like, you know, Lynn Sanity. It was the he's first a- Jeremy Lin won an NBA ring. It yeah, kind of felt like it should have been a bigger deal. Yeah. So it was like a running thing the whole time. I did see some pictures going around of him holding the. the it was thing. good. It was a big moment. Yeah. He fi- Lynn Sanity finally. Yeah. Hey, maybe I mean, he wasn't playing, but how did he have that run? What do you mean? When he oh, was with the like, Knicks? Yeah. It will, it will never be explained. How did that he, happen? He just got really hot for three weeks at the perfect time for the perfect team. And it all crested with uh, this Lakers game on Friday night against Kobe Bryant on ESPN. And it just felt like the biggest deal ever. And then it was just. And he did what? He like crushed that game? He cried. He had like 40 against Kobe. (laughs) I remember when it was happening, people being like, we don't know what's going on. It's not going to last. People weren't like, this guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is great. When's the shoe? When's the other shoe? Yeah, people kept waiting. What's Little America about? So Little America is an anthology show that's based on real life stories of immigrants. So we collected a bunch of real life stories of immigrants to America and we made like half hour episodes on each one. And they're not really, it's not a political show. So like, for yeah. instance, the first episode that me and Emily and Lee Eisenberg wrote together is, it's a true story about this Irani immigrant who lives in Yonkers. Doesn't have much money in a tiny apartment. He wants it because he had a mansion in Iran. He, so he's looking for houses, two expenses, and he finds a piece of land for like $60,000. And he's like, wow, that's so cheap. I'm going to buy it. The problem is there's a massive rock on it, like a huge rock. And so he buys it. And the episode is just about him trying to figure out how to get this fucking rock off the property. And he goes and he looks up like the history of it because people in the past have tried to get rid of this rock, trying to see what they know, what they've tried. It's almost like it's almost like a horror movie in the sense that like every ghost movie is kind of like a mystery. You know, you got to figure out where the ghost is from. You go look at the archives, all that shit. So that's the first episode. So it's all different immigrant stories and it's like a mosaic of all the stories. Right. It's eight episodes. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, it's really. I'm. Very, I don't lose focus on the horror movie that you clearly need to make if you love horror movies this much. Uh, we've my Emily and I have actually talked about it, and we have a couple of premises, but I don't know yet. Oh, Netflix to- is on the phone again. <laughs> <laughs> they have oh my horror god, horror movie and a this comedy special. This is great. This is the best part I've ever done. Oh my god, you made fifty million dollars. I can't believe this. <laughs> I just still don't know how to do a horror movie. Like you know, rom. Like most movies, I understand the structure. I understand yeah. what makes some good or bad not to say that i can do it but i at least understand with horror i feel there's like a little bit of magic that i don't understand like um like something a like secret sauce yeah like get out has like a secret sauce you should I'm just like, watch like 50 in a row over the course of three weeks and just have it infect your brain and yeah. then figure out a plot i feel like you horror, can do it you I, can do this we need more good horror movies i we really we really do because this is should be a mission for you horror is the only thing that when i watch i'm not like evaluating and trying to deconstruct and break down other stuff i'm always like trying to see like okay so they did that oh okay so now this is gonna happen there it is okay now this happened i still enjoy it 
but um, horror I don't. But Little America, I was saying this. So uh, I found in my experience to go to what Steve Kerr said, if you're editing something, there's writing, directing, and acting, right? Yeah. If all those three things are great, amazing. If one of those three things is bad, I think you can still save it. But if two of those three things are bad, then it becomes almost impossible to fix it. So it's like basketball, shooting, rebounding, defense. Is that you can you can you have to have two of the three to at least be half decent? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I've that's my theory at least. Of those three things, you can get away with two. That's a good theory. Yeah, because um, if, if this an actor is not good, the director is good. The director will know how to get the performance out of the actor. Uh, if the script isn't good, the cast is good and the director is good, then there'll be a pace to it, and the actors will sell moments that you didn't think were there. If the script and the actors are good, even if the director's bad and just pointing the camera, you'll get something. If You've never directed, right? No, I want to. I'd love to do it. Oh, well, we'll talk to Ted. Yeah, uh, oh my God, another text. This was fun. Good luck with the movie. I can't wait to take my son to see it. Uh, By the he, way, I forgot to mention to you, 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 the wrestling fans were really mad at you at the WrestleMania. Because I was holding up the big You heads. kept holding up the sign. The guy like two rows behind me, I, I actually thought, Oh, was he really upset? Yeah, I was. It, I didn't because you didn't know because you were you weren't you didn't know like some of the rules of. Oh, is that against the rules? Yeah, I feel you're bad supposed now. to bring the sign up and down. Oh, but I, I had your back if anything was going to happen. Well, I didn't even know you. it was you, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I got this. Guy. I remember one guy angrily being like, "What are you holding up?" And then I turned it around, and he was like, "Oh, okay." Like you were ha- was- you were so into it and. So selling what your role was that it was. I think people like appreciated it. I. Honestly, wasn't it could have gone badly, though. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I, I completely am on their side. I, I should have been more thoughtful about no, it. No, no, no. The wrestling fans are fucking snobs. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> I, I didn't know it that. It wasn't your fault. You you have to obey the rules right. of whatever. And you, I understand. You didn't know, but they're not generous with that. No, I, I, I'm sure you're right. Because it wasn't like you were deliberately being like, ah, fuck these people no. behind me. I honestly, you know, when we were shooting Stuber, July 12th, uh, Dave would talk about the, the career. He was like, I want to go back and do WrestleMania. And then when he he texted me months after the movie and he was like, I, I'm going to go get to do my retirement match and I would love it if you would be there. And it meant so much. So you guys are buddies now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk to him all the time. Like, I, feel, I feel like this is leading to a tag team match <laughs> where he does most of the work but then you <laughs> yeah. come in at the end and just pin the guy he's gonna that's exactly what would happen that's exactly the story they, that's they they do that in wrestling all the time it's the two of you he gets hurt like 10 minutes into the match you have to go in yeah you're about to get beaten up but then he rallies and comes back and saves yeah. you and then beats everybody up and then you do the pin that's exactly right. yeah it'll be fine you won't get hurt <laughs> <laughs> um, um this is great though good luck with the movie thank you thank you 